Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Alrighty, guys, I am joined by the three legends once again, Michael Bridges, Thomas Sorensen, and Mark Schwartz. So, guys, we're going to get straight into it because I know we say it every week, but I'm going to say it again. It's been an insane weekend of football. There has been some breaking news coming out this morning, but it all surrounds that mammoth fixture. Liverpool absolutely battered Manchester United at Old Trafford 5-0. Bridgie, firstly, how are you? And secondly, what is your reaction to that weekend of football? Absolutely incredible. Um, What a weekend. I was away with my son and daughter's 15th birthday weekend camping and we were absolutely glued to all the matches, um, watching it from the laptop in a tent. It was absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell you what, it started with a goal fest, obviously, um, with the Chelsea results, 7-0. But watching the Liverpool v uh, Manchester United game, it was absolutely incredible. Incredible scenes for Liverpool fans, and I've got to say, for Man United fans, it's embarrassing. That I've, I, it's the first time I've come into the Upper Sports Studio, and I haven't seen a Manchester United jersey. They have gone into <laughs> hiding. <laughs> Thomas, I mean, it, it was a crazy weekend of football all around Europe. We were treated not only to big games in the Premier League, but we had El Clasico, we had derbies in Italy, in France. Besides that five 0 drubbing of Manchester United, what else stood out to you? Oh, uh, you know, I think Chelsea were impressive. Seven uh, nil, even though you know uh, Norwich, you know you could see their struggles, uh, but still uh, to win seven nil in the Premier League is 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 big time. And and you know, like Liverpool, uh, they showed this weekend that they're 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 right at the top. And yeah, around Europe, as you said, you know. Um, El Clasico, not the El Clasico of the past. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it was a it was a decent game, but uh, you can see that it's definitely the Barcelona, but also Real Madrid. Uh, uh, a little bit off uh, the glorious past that they have. Uh, and then again, we'll talk about Solskjaer probably later. <laughs> but uh, Kuman as well, experienced and obviously driving off and, and getting pelted in his car, uh, leaving the stadium. So, so yeah, there's definitely managers on on the uh, on the edge uh, after this weekend. It's good to have fans back. They said it's good to have fans back until they want you out of your job. Marky <laughs> yeah. Schwarzer, thanks for joining us again. I'm going to take a punt here and say you are in the UK now. I hope I get it right this week, but you must be <laughs> in the thick of it. The headlines must be buzzing around this Ole Gunnar Solskjaer drama that's just come out, made news this morning. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. Obviously, it's huge speculation. There's a lot of reports um, around that he has lost his job uh, or on the verge of losing his job. Obviously, breaking news is that um, they're already in discussion, supposedly, with another manager. So, yeah, I mean, a lot going on. Um, Funny, isn't it? I mean, completely behind the manager. They believe in the project. (laughs) What a difference one result makes, doesn't it? Um, I, I actually think it's more to do with Obviously, the result is everything, right? But I think it's got a lot to do with the lack of 
commitment from his from his players and kind of almost. I said this before. I said this last week. I, I thought he wouldn't get the sack. I thought he'd be there at the end of the season unless he lost the players. Mm. And I think that's what's happened. Yeah. Bridgie, you had your hand up like you wanted to say something. Was that yeah, about the, that managerial just, change? No, no, not at all. I wanted to say it over the weekend as well. I've got to say, um, Ange Postecoglou was certainly getting a result, but the amount of Australians players that scored in Europe over the weekend, I thought was incredible. I think it was Suter scored. Riley McGree got a goal for Birmingham. Um, and I, yeah, there was a lot of players. I just felt that the Australians um, around the world actually got a massive, massive weekend of goal scoring, which yeah, is well, good jo- to see. John Suter scored, which is oh, the... Oh, uh, is it not Harry? The, 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 the non-Australian Suter scored oh, over, over there. Well, there you go. Sorry, I just saw uh, the But anyway, Riley geez. McGree with a great goal. And who, yes, who else yeah. got one? Jackson Irvine scored in the Irvine, second tier of Germany as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure um, those three or four. Harry Suter has also it's been linked again today. Uh, Everton supposedly uh, ramping up their interest in him. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Ah, there we go, Tommy. We would. Uh, I said he might not be there till the end of the season, man. Get a move in January. That's that's uh, big that's, news. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think he's good enough to to take that step up. But uh, yeah, I'll be sad that uh, Stoke will yeah eventually lose him. Well, Stoke now. I think it's three losses in the row. And they, yeah. they, they, they look like they were in a very good spot to potentially be. I mean, there's a long way to go, guys. We know how the championship is. But we need more more Aussies playing in the Premier League and, and, and bossing it like you three did for many years. I don't want to – I'm conscious of the fact that we've spoken every week. We get into this Ole in, Ole out conversation. So I'm conscious of that. I don't want to dive too much into that. But just more specifically about that game. Liverpool went to Old Trafford. They were 4-0 up at halftime. They were 5-0 up when Pogba got sent off. It almost looked like they took their foot off the gas a little bit. Tactically – Let's talk about Liverpool first. Let's look at the positives. Jurgen Klopp, Bridgie, he leaves Mane out. He makes a change in the center of defense. It all seemed to go to plan. And it looked like the difference between a tactical genius and someone who might be just a little bit out of his depth. Was that the case on the weekend? Uh, without a shadow of doubt. Claude, we spoke about this during the week um, leading into this game when we were doing the, the previews. And the, the difference in the tactical knowledge from the two coaches is so plain to see for everybody. But when you actually break the game down in all five moments of the game, so when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, the transition moments and set plays, Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, Chelsea and Tuchel are streets ahead of Solskjaer and Manchester United. And if you can't see that as an owner of the football club and people that want success, when you have the array of talent that they do, it, it, they've got to do something about it and they've got to do it very, very quickly because it's almost like you're always just putting the players out there and saying, go and perform. And you can get a result some weeks. Um, I mean, I think Paul Scholes came out with an unbelievable comment after the Atlanta game when they got through it. They were 2-0 down, came back to win 3-2. Paul Scholes predicted the future and said, if they play like that against Liverpool, they are going to get hurt. And the difference between Liverpool leaving out Marnie Jota and Firmino had the perfect little combinations and the scenarios of how to drop in deep from the number nine position to take out Harry Maguire from his position, to take out, um, I think it was McTominay that was trying to screen them in there, and Lindelof as well. I just felt they were honking. I think um, a question is for you guys, is Liverpool, does, does, well, the front three of Liverpool, are they better with Jota, Firmino, Salah? Or does Mane have to be in there as well somehow? I, I think it's the... Per- Remember we talked about the front three of years gone by. Now they've got a front four. 
And I think the competition for places, they all complement each other. And this is the quality of Jurgen Klopp when he recognises how to make the changes to suit the style of the teams that they are playing against. Solskjaer does not say that, Swartzy. That's the difference. And the boy that came in at the back for Liverpool to play alongside Van Dijk, um, Kanate, is it? Kanate, yeah. Kanate. Kanate. He, got, yeah. he got the pace. Um, to handle it that was a massive change to stop the, the likes of Rashford and I, I just think yeah Klopp's on a different level Solskjaer's got to go um, I hate saying managers need to go um, but if Manchester United wants success this season or anything he's got to go because it was like boys against men and the mm. scary thing is Liverpool for the scoreline they were so clinical I still don't think that's the best they can play yeah it is frightening uh, how good they can get Tommy you, you, you're playing as a goalkeeper in front of uh, behind that back line. And I, I think David De Gea has been pretty good in a few weeks, but Harry Maguire, the spotlight was really put on him after the game. He's, he's, he's in for a new contract. He's asking for 300,000 pounds a week. I mean, w- was it, can you really pin that performance on a player like Harry Maguire? Or was that just a, a whole team that didn't turn up? I think, you know, again, it's not just Solskjaer. It's not just Harry Maguire. You know, it's the whole you know, everyone's got a big part in, in this, uh, you know, from the tactics to individual performances. And and and, and you think that Maguire, after the Euros, uh, he, he had a good Euros. Uh, and he set himself up to to be recognized as, you know, a, a top, top defender. And I think he has shown nothing like it uh, since he's come back to, to United. Is that part of... The team that is exposing him, yes, to some extent, but I also think you know you got to look at you know some of his decision making. Uh, you know, you know, just a, you know him and, and Shaw at the you know at the weekend. Sometimes when he goes in for for challenges, he's sort of half-hearted. Does he lead uh, the backline properly? I don't think so because you know you're looking at especially Van Bissaka, who, who, who at times just charges in to try to press. You know, a good defender, a good leader at the back will, you know, will, will keep him back uh, if he sees, you know, that, that it destructs the, the whole back line. And I think it happened too many times that they got pushed and pulled all over the place because people tried to press and they got outplayed and that left everyone scrambling uh, to try to, to pick up five or six uh, Liverpool players. And, and uh yeah, he, he's he's definitely not worth. We talked about it. He's not worth three hundred thousand. Um, and you can even question at the moment if he's worth playing for Man United. Um, but you can say that about a few of the others. I wouldn't give him three pound. Never mind three hundred thousand <laughs> pound. Yeah. You would have had a field day with him back in the day, yeah. Richie. Oh, he was but, but do you know what it is? He, I could have taken him and walked him all around that field. That's why I like the way what Firmino did. He was able to take him out of areas where he didn't want to go. He was vulnerable. And then you expose them. It, it's it, those players that I used to hate playing against your Tony Adams, your Keon, your Saul Campbell's, they Maldini as well. They were unbelievable. They, if they knew they were going to get left in behind and exposed to follow you in there, they wouldn't go because they knew they had to keep their shape. He, he's just a headless chicken, man. I, I, I know what you're saying. And there's not a single player on that Man United side that you would say was anywhere near showing their potential, right? But as you know, you can only play as well as the players around you as well to a large degree because he, he was completely exposed, as was every other member of the team. So every every single player has to hold the hand up and go, they were, they were terrible, way below standard. I, I, listen, I'm not the biggest fan of Harry Maguire either, but 
I would say he got, they both, they got the whole back line got horrendously exposed. Yeah. So who's accountable for that at the end of this? What's the organization yeah. in that squad and the understanding of their jobs when they don't Absolutely. have the ball? Well, demand is, as well. Soulshot, but this is not look, the first time. This is not the lost. first time that, yeah, but it's not the first time United, you could point the finger at players not, yeah. not working, not getting back. They've just got away with it before. Yeah. So, so it starts at the top. The demand, the the instructions, the setup, hundred yeah. percent. It starts firstly with a the manager, then it goes all the way through. It goes to all the players also having the responsibility of doing their jobs, actually sticking together as a team, working hard as a team. Yeah. And Manchester United haven't been that and haven't done it for some time. And, you- and like like you said, it's like a group of individuals who have said, "Go out there and play," because I've got an unbelievable attacking force. So go out there and win games for us. And the rest will just take care of itself. Do you know what? For me, what summed this game up, it was the substitutes. And I've got to say, when the, in the the quality I see in Klopp as a man manager, um, how he handles all these players to convince them that when they're not playing, Marnie, when he came on, he looked like he had a, a point to prove for a positive reason. He wasn't sulking. He came on to try and inject something at that team. And, you know, personal satisfaction for the team. And then Pogba comes on, who hasn't played, sulking, gets a red card, didn't look arsed in the slightest about what he was doing. That, that for me, summed up the difference between Liverpool and Manchester United at all but, levels of the football club. But, but Mane, Mane also came on at 5-0, right? So it's 5-0 when he comes on and he's got no reason to be upset. In, in a lot of ways, he you can't tell me he's not upset. He's going to be upset because he didn't start, right? He'd be annoyed that he didn't start. He'd actually he'd almost be pissed off that he didn't start. Yeah. But ultimately, the manager got the decision right because they were leading 5-0 and won the game 5-0. So it's very yeah. difficult for a player to come on and have a strop when you're up 5-0, right? I'll tell you what, then, Swarty. I came on when I was 5-0 down against, well, 4-0 down against Manchester United at Old Trafford, and I wasn't pissed off. I came on and wanted to express myself and try and do something but That's for, a different, for it's a different expectation as well. It's the it's mentality, mate. It's I, the know, mentality. I, get, I get that. No, you, you're right. It certainly is as well, and Klopp wouldn't have it either. He wouldn't have that. He would have ripped whereas, my head off. Absolutely. Whereas whereas at, 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 uh, at Manchester United, it's almost it's, it's it's like the, it, the players... The players get away and do whatever they want to yeah. do. There's no accountability for it. Totally and, agree. And, you know, point the finger at Pogba. Yeah, he was woeful when he came on, but it, so was every other player. And what he did to get sent off, it was ridiculous. I mean, it's a, it's a silly, silly challenge. Yeah. But there are also every other player on that pitch for Manchester United were, were, were terrible. Hey, well, I, th- I think the game does show that if you want to be a team at the highest level, like you have to work... Every single player has to work hard. Like I think that's where the game has moved to today. You know, you're looking at, yeah, Man City. You look at the top teams, Bayern Munich. Every single player, you you can't have a, 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 a front three that just sort of half-heartedly press and don't check, check, you know, don't don't run back and you know. And you see it with Man United. Like you see all the goals. You know, especially Liverpool. You know, obviously having uh, Alexander Arnold, Robertson. And, you know, you saw Greenwood, Rashford, you know, half-heartedly chasing back, you know, sort of Fernandez not doing his job. But you can't but do a, that at this but level. But again, Tommy, it comes down to when do we press? Why yeah, are we of pressing? Course. How are but we going to press? That, but still, it's almost it comes like to... they kind of went, oh, and, and I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. They, look, they look lethargic and lackadaisical and didn't that It still comes so, down to individual, you know, one thing is what Solskjaer tells them, but they still have to do it when they get on the pitch. You know, you yeah. still have to use your individual intuition, 
you know, your heart, uh, you know, because there's plenty of times Solskjaer can't, when Rashford or Greenwood stands there and, and somebody runs past him, no, Solskjaer, that, that should be drilled into you from, from when you were a, 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 a little kid, hmm. that you have to then go with the player. And, and you see time and time again that they don't. And they just let people run into good positions and then react too late. And then the back four is totally exposed. It's exactly what Swartz said. It comes down to accountability. And if you get away with doing what the hell you want yeah. and there's no, no accountability, it's a recipe for disaster. And they've had it for they've had it for a long time. It's mm. not even it's not a, it's yeah. not a new thing. This result is not a surprise, really. Let's be honest. Um, this was coming, and we've seen the last certainly in the last eight years to ten years, teams that have a brilliant individual where the team is almost built around them, but that individual is not really involved in defending and working hard for the team without the ball don't have a lot of success. Mm. They, there's very few teams with individual stars that are like standout stars, whether it's a Messi, Ronaldo, whichever team they've been to in the last probably four to five years in particular have had no success. PSG have tried desperately. And that's what I think is also one of the weaknesses for PSV. Champions League, they've come close. Obviously, the last couple of seasons, the front three have worked harder. But this season, I'll be very interested to see when it gets down to those fine margins, when you play against top, top teams like a Man City, like a Bayern Munich, they're unbelievable teams. Hmm. That's where those, that's where the likes of PSG are going to come unstuck. Well, well, just on that main man, Cristiano Ronaldo scored a, a fantastic goal. He was a bit unlucky to be ruled out with VAR. But then there's one incident I want your quick word on. Tommy, firstly with you, is that a red card? Hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think so. Uh, it's obviously frustration. Uh <sighs> He kicks the ball. <laughs> I know there's, there's a little bit of intent and aggression in there, but to me, that's part that's part of the game. Uh, he walks away straight away, so he, he, he obviously kicks it. It's not, you know, he's not, he doesn't hit the player. Uh, you know, I've had strikers, uh, you know, I'm sure sports as well, when, when you've collected a ball on the ground and had strikers come in and still still try to kick the ball and, you know what, that. That that's that's okay. I, th- I thought it was it was just within the limits of it. You know, it was a fine line, but I, I thought it was okay just to give him the yellow card uh, in the context of of the game, the frustration. Um, was it high know, end the, yellow the, card or was it low end of the yellow card? Well, I'm not sure which way. You know, <laughs> uh, in my in my view, there's a, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't work in my book. It's a yellow card. That's it. <laughs> Schwartz, you no arguments there. No, no. Yeah. I, I Listen, the best way I explain it is this. In the Premier League, that's not a yellow card. On the continent, that's a red card. Wow. Really? That, that, I, I think yeah, that's how call. they see it. Good call. On, on the continent, I think they would give that a red card. Say in Germany, in, in Italy or whatever, Spain, I, I think they would give that as a red card. Yeah. Whereas in England, that's, that's less yeah, likely but- to be. And the difference would have been the, the player on the ground would have rolled around five, well, 15 times. <laughs> well, see, that's that's where I also think, that's also why I think uh, Ronaldo didn't get anything more than a, a yellow. I don't think it was a red. I think had the reaction been different on the pitch, I think then it could have been the referee pulled, a, pulled out a card. But obviously then it would have been looked at at VAR and I still don't think it would have warranted a red card. 
I'm not really enjoying this podcast so far because I'm agreeing with the goalkeepers' unions and I'm, I've agreed with Swartzy <laughs> twice. What's going on? I'll try to change that. I'll try to change that as Mix soon as it I up, can. Claude, come on. Maybe if it was at Anfield, maybe if it was at Anfield, it would have been very interesting to see how the stadium reacts and if that changes the referee's opinion. But guys, I want to talk quickly about this player. I want to put him in focus for a second. Paul Pogba came on. At halftime, he played 16 minutes before he was sent off. Quite a dismal 16 minutes, which we just spoke about. Paul Scholes came out afterwards and said that Pogba may have played his final minutes for Manchester United, which I, I think is quite remarkable. I mean, I don't think that's the case. But gentlemen, Tommy, I'll start with you. There's clearly an issue here. And the Pogba saga has been going on for years. There's contract negotiations. There's always rumors taking him away from the club. Firstly, has he failed? since that World Cup triumph? And secondly, what's he got to do to revive his career? Has he got to stay? Has he got to move? Where's he got to go? You know, he, he's got to look with him and himself, uh, I think. You know, the, the frustrating thing with Pogba, and I think we, we were discussing this uh, on the podcast after the Leeds game early in the season where he was absolutely amazing. You know, he, he, he had assists, you know, he scored. Uh, and, and if he, I think we agree that if he could sort of, continue that level you know he is top class and i think that's the frustrating his his upper limits are so high you know he he's, he's he could be one of the best midfielders in in the world but his his bottom level is so low and 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 it, it sort of goes from top to bottom week in week out and uh, and then you got the, the off field off the field persona you know he's you know we've seen him the last couple of weeks just his body language um and and that's where if United want to be a top team and, and you're looking what, you know, Man City have, what, what, you know, even Bayern Munich, you look at the top teams around Europe, you can't have a player in there that uh, sort of hangs his head um, uh, and, and, and sort of shows up one week and doesn't show up the next. And, and sadly with him, it, that's the story. And, and that's what, you know, I think will be the downfall of him at, at some points. You know, there'll be teams that want him because he he has that magic from time to time. But you know what I think he needs alongside him somebody that is willing to kick him in the backside and tell him to to pull his head in on the field a bit. But I, but I seriously, back, Bridget, do, I hate going think... back about ex-players and saying it's a Roy Keane type of personality but or somebody that's. There, yeah. there isn't anyone like that. I mean, we're going back in time that doesn't. Exist. I know that's what, what, what he, player what, that doesn't exist. Or even the manager. Would he accept it though? Hey. Would he accept it? Would that? Would he accept that from anyone? I'd like to think he would. Just to say, you know, sort your head out. You're, you're so you, you good know, at what you, you know do. What Why think, do you let yourself down so much? You know what I think is the biggest problem at with Paul Pogba is I don't think he respected Jose Mourinho. Maybe at the beginning he did, but then he fell out with him because he didn't like to hear didn't didn't like hearing what Jose Mourinho was telling him, whether rightly or wrongly. He didn't like it, so it became him against Mourinho and the. In the end, obviously Pogba won, and I don't think he he has the respect. I mean, when I say respect, I'm not saying he doesn't like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't think he has the the football respect, the management respect. He does for Deschamps because he he puts a shift yeah. in. He so works. He's question, a different player. Question for you: If you got that job, Swartz, you went in as the manager of that football club. Would you have a Would you have Pogba, or would you not have Pogba in your in your team? Me personally, I would, I would, I would let him go. I'd sell him. I'd sell him in January. I would have sold him last season. Me personally, Lovely. because I don't think, I, I, I still don't think he does enough for a team like Manchester United. What they need is they need somebody who's able to carry the responsibility of being that midfield player uh, that's able to 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 perform week in week out, not does, somebody that performs 
does the Premier every... does the Premier League suit Pogba? I don't. I think he's. I think he'd be better in other 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 leagues. Yeah, listen. I, I think I think he'd be a far better player playing for Manchester City because he'd have enormous amount of respect for Pep Guardiola, and then obviously he'll have a lot better players around him as well. So you know, he's one of those players that when he has better players around him, he'll look better because he's you know technically he's a good player. He can give and go. He can make those runs. Uh, I, I think. At a, at a team like United, because they are so disjointed, he just looks like any other player. Um, mm. And for me, he's just, I don't think he has the respect for the manager. If someone like a Conte comes in, it will be interesting to see whether or not, firstly, Conte will want to to have Pogba on his side. And Conte is a person who takes no prisoners. He's very, very determined, has his own opinion, and is very, very fixated on that. And if players don't want to go with him, he will get rid of them straight away, push them yeah. to the side. So it'd be interesting if he were to take over, what would – and it's, it's almost <laughs> – it's a newer version of a Jose Mourinho. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah, it, that's what it is. It's a, it's a, a more modern-day version, a newer version, a younger version, whatever you want to call it. And he will take no prisoners whatsoever. And that, that'll be interesting to see whether or not someone like Paul Pogba, whether it's Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo, how they would respond to someone like that. I think it's such a strange match, Manchester United and Antonio Conte. I said the same thing when Conte was apparently linked potentially with that Barcelona job. He's just such a defensive-minded, counter-attacking manager, a great manager, but just it just doesn't look like he fits certain clubs. But I guess when you're desperate, you're desperate and you've got to go for it. And just on Paul but, but, Pogba. But then, yeah. sorry, sorry, Inter Milan, he didn't play defensive football. He played... Nobody no, plays. He plays with his wing backs, and certain players yeah, had to yeah. leave because there's just no. no room it's a bit unfair system. to say he plays defensive and he's quite counterproductive or, or not attractive to watch. I actually think his teams can play some good football at Chelsea. Yes, I'd agree with you. There were elements of that where it, it, it was, um, I suppose, like Mourinho esque winning games, knowing how to win games. Oh, look, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Games. At all, I'm no, not saying. But, it's but, a bad thing but you're right. No, no, no. But you're right because you're talking about a personality. You're talking. Sorry, you're talking about a a, um, a, a what do you call it? What, what the club's philosophy is, mm. an image of a club, how they are used to playing football. United want to play this quick, in your face, high tempo game of football, an attractive game of football. Yeah. They haven't had it for. They've had little bits of it, but they haven't had it regularly for a long, long time now. Listen, mm. I've got the solution to stop this argument or sorry Go debate. On. Um, there's a guy available that Manchester United can have, and it's Nuno Espirito Santo. Let's um, get that one out there. There you go. <laughs> he's, not, the he's, not a, he's not available yet, mate. Hey, mate he's available. 24-7 <laughs> he is available. Believe you me. <laughs> you said he was the man. I remember clearly you said he was the man. Swartzy, are you ready for this? I apologize profusely, Mark Swartzer, for saying that crap that came out of my mouth. I go against <laughs> everything I said. I eat humble pie. He is not the solution. There you go. But- don't worry, we've all, we've all made mistakes like that, don't worry. Well, my hands up. <laughs> uh, well done, Bridgie. Well, uh, that, that was one of the London derbies which went horribly, horribly wrong for Michael Bridges and all Spurs fans. We'll get to that shortly, but for now, going across London to Stamford Bridge, Chelsea absolutely smashed Norwich, which we all feel a little bit for Norwich. I actually, I was messaging you, Bridgie, on that day, and I said to you, I said, I feel a little bit for Norwich, and Bridgie replied, do not feel sorry for them. They deserve to go down with the lowest amount of points in Premier League history. Harsh from you, Bridgie. Was that the story from the weekend? It wasn't a fact of Chelsea being too good. It was just Norwich showed why they're destined to go back down. 
Yeah, exactly that. I think they're, they're resigned to the fact. I feel for Timmy Cruel, obviously, because all he seems to do is pick the ball out of his net rather than making saves. And um, yeah, I just think that they're, they're lost. They're, they are what they are. And when you think what Chelsea had out, I mean, you know, uh, Lukaku was out, Werner was out. Maybe that did help them. And it was a little bit of a, a rest break for for the likes. But, you know, Havertz, Mount coming in, Hudson, Adoy, they just absolutely dominated. And it, mm. it was... Um, it, it showed the top against the bottom, obviously, for what it is, but the, the gap for that Norwich City team not to turn up the... the um, I, I mean, I mean, I did make a big statement at the start of the year after watching them for two games, saying they will go down with the least amount of points. That result for me nullified that and that basically backs up everything that I think about Norwich City. They're, they're, they're not the same team that came up and showed a style of play. Um, it's almost like they're, they're going into every match feeling vulnerable. I, I will say, though, um, I thought Chelsea were were excellent in terms of their approach to the game. So they did it midweek against Malmo, a game that everyone expected them to win and expect them to win comfortably. And they did win it comfortably because of the way they approached the game. They did the same thing against Norwich. They didn't take their foot off the pedal one bit. And that is an unbelievable sign. That, that's like Manchester United in the, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. They never took their foot off the pedal. Liverpool don't take their foot off the pedal. Man City don't do it. And, and that's what Chelsea are doing and doing incredibly well so far. It was like um, Man United when they beat Ipswich at home. I think it was 9-1 or 8-0 or something yeah, like that when yeah, it was Cole and relentless. York. Yeah. And it didn't matter who they played against. They, they, they had the same approach. You know, they were just on it all the time. You knew that there was no free ride out there. Some teams sometimes think that they take games a little bit too easily thinking we're so good, we're going to win this. We're easily, if you don't have the right approach to the game, you can come unstuck, you can drop points. Whereas at the moment, Chelsea look formidable in that regard. Um, uh, and even and without to, Lukaku. Yeah, and that comes to what Tuchel has, has created. Absolutely. Like, you know, the yep. winning mentality, obviously success, you know, winning a Champions League, you know, all that. We know, we know as players, you know, when you're winning, it's fun. You know, you just want to get out there. You want to play, uh, and obviously, he he's put a system in place. And and again, talking about what United hasn't got, that's what Chelsea have. You know, every player knows their position. Uh, and again, uh, he puts new players in there. Like, the, look, what about Chilwell? You know how how he's resurrected. Well, you know, resurrected. You know, three goals in three games. Uh, he was nowhere to be seen for a long time. You know, so he's been able to again keep players. Uh, you know you know, connected hungry. to the team. Yeah, hungry, connected to the team, waiting for their opportunity. So, yeah, no, I think you got to give Tuchel, uh, you know, a lot of credit for the mentality he's created. That's what, that's what they've all done incredibly well, like you said, keeping the squad hungry, the, a- the appetite, just, just exactly like you mentioned there, Ben Chilwell wasn't getting a look in. All of a sudden gets an opportunity and he's absolutely flying. Every one of the players that come on, have the hunger and desire to prove a point and want to keep their place in the team. Same as Liverpool, same as Manchester City. If if any player on those teams were to do what some of the Manchester United players did, come on, look like they're having a strop, then get sent off for a silly challenge, whatever it is, they wouldn't be there anymore. That's Claude, the difference, your, I think. Claude, did your team, how excited yeah. were you and why, what, what do you think? No, I think you're spot on. Just to, to go with Schwartz's point, I just feel like um, there's a, a Chelsea, it almost looks like, again, you, you're not in the change room. You don't know the players, but it almost looks like it's not just the manager. You'd be disappointing if you played like that. It'd be this whole bunch of players that are all 
invested into this system. At Man United, it feels like if you're moping around or doing what Paul Pogba did, the only person you're really disappointing is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because your teammates are doing the same thing. Whereas you'd be accountable, you'd be held accountable by your players at Chelsea as well as your manager. And that's probably the biggest thing, Schwartz, right? Yeah, I, I spoke to Petr Cech uh, on uh, Wednesday night after the Champions League game. Ooh, and goalkeeper friends. Yeah, goalkeeper <laughs> friends. Actually, if I mentioned another one, Ross Turmel was there. And geez, he's Ooh. put on some weight. He's a big boy these days, I tell you what. He has eaten all the pies and all the donuts and everything else that's left over. Um, he's a great lad, though, um, I have to say. Um, anyway, so I was talking to Petr Cech about the, the goalkeeping position. So, you know, another great point is that You've got two goalkeepers. Obviously, Kepa didn't play well. A huge amount of money they spent on him. He struggled. They brought Mendy in, and he's been incredible. And he's just gotten better and better and better. The relationship between the two is very, very good. Yeah. The, the understanding of one's going to play and the other one's not. Kepa's playing in the cup. So there's a chance Kepa will probably play the cup midweek and also a league game on the weekend. So Tuchel is very, very good at making sure and managing his squad, his players, as does, you know, we saw Pep Guardiola, he did with the goalkeepers last season with Edison and um, uh, the reserve keeper, I can't think of his name right now, the American. Um, oh, what's his name? The American guy in goals. Was <laughs> Steph- Stefan. Uh, That's it. Yeah. Um, I know, I know exactly. Yeah, Stefan. Yeah. Uh, is it Zach? Zach Stefan. Yeah, Zach Stefan. Yep. So what, what uh, Pep Guardiola did last season as well with Zach Stefan, he played in the, cha- uh, sorry, the FA Cup. And he played, mm. they got to the final and he played him in the final. And yeah. they asked him the question, isn't, aren't you going to play Edison? Aren't you going to play your best team? He said, no, because the players would kill me if I did that. I'd have a problem with the players. The players would lose respect for me. And what, what, what Peter was saying to me as well was about the, the relationship between Kepa and Mendy. And Kepa is actually playing the best football he's played full stop in his whole career, mm. but can't get in the team because Mendy's been so good. Mm. So, the management of the squad has been insane. Yeah. And yeah. he's he's impressed by it. So did you did you celebrate the result, Claude? Well, of course I said, well, I was, you know what? I was already out celebrating. So uh, I was, that's probably why you were late for the podcast this morning then, mate. Yeah. That was Saturday. That was sad. I, I had the highlights Sunday morning, which you didn't show up for. So oh, right, kid, yeah. wow, kid's Tuesday. birthday party, by the way, don't you dare. That's all good. Yeah. That's but, yeah good. And besides he wasn't celebrating because all these teams lost on the weekend, didn't they? All drew. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to move to that in a second. Just one last word on what you're saying about Chelsea, because I'm going to soak up that moment. But um, yeah, it's the same thing you've said about the goalkeepers. It almost looks like they're learning off each other. It looks like Ben Chilwell has taken the leaf out of Alonso's book and the way he's getting forward, some of the runs he's making, he's really looking like a left winger at times. It's good to see. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Guys, I wanted to ask you quickly because we had 7-0 Chelsea. We had 5-0 Liverpool. Have you guys ever been battered 
in your career by five, six, yeah. seven goals. And when yeah. you have what what is said at halftime, how do you gain the motivation to go back out there in the second half? You you look like you had there, Schwartzy. You, but Tommy oh. as a goalkeeper as well. Oh, uh, you know, I think you know, you know, we're, we're, me and Schwartz both play when United were at their at their best, and I think whenever. You know, definitely when I was at Sunderland and and even uh, you know Aston Villa and you know when you went uh, to Old Trafford, you knew you were in for a pelting. You might not lose seven nil, but it would have felt like it after the game because you you would have crossed uh, the halfway line about five times and uh, uh, you know it, it, and you you just knew as a goalkeeper you would have to be at your absolute best and, and you knew that they were going to expose you uh, from time to time and uh, you know yeah. Those teams, it's it's horrible. You know, I feel for Tim Krull. You know, you could see his frustration, uh, and and you just know it was coming. And when you're up against a team that's so well organized, works so hard, ha- has the press spot on, uh, then yeah, you're in for a tough afternoon. Oh, my, my last ever game for Australia, we got absolutely smashed by Brazil in in Brasilia, six nil. I mean, I was a Brazil side leading up to the 2014 World Cup. They hadn't hadn't lost a game, I think, in four years or something like that. They were unbelievable. Um, obviously got got smashed by the Germans. So I, I rang the German team and said, listen, can you do me a favor and give them a bit of a hiding? Because they smashed us before the World Cup. And 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 thankfully they they helped me out. Um I I never got we, we got battered, but never got battered in the score against Manchester United. Out my bogey team when I was at Middlesbrough was always Arsenal. We had a couple of five ones, six one. Um, there was even a 7-0, which I didn't play in. Um, that's when I fell out with Steve McLaren. It was me, Jimmy Floyd, Asselbank on the bench because we both fell out with Steve McLaren. Mark Vaduk was your captain that day. Yes, at the old Highbury, mate. What a, what a place that was. <laughs> you would have had a uh, cheeky old... smirk on the bench there just having a look at the game. No, nah, I didn't because <laughs> I, felt, I felt for the guys because uh, a lot of them were a lot of young players coming through and they got absolutely torn apart. Actually, I've been there at, at the old Highbury and Ray Parler just signed for us and we were – uh, play. We lost 5-3. We were up 3-1 with literally a minute or two to go before halftime. And they kicked off after we made it 3-1. Burkamp, 1-2, 1-2, basically went through our whole team and scored literally on the on the, on the the whistle for halftime. So we go in at 3-2 up and we go in like we're down mm-hmm. 3-2. We feel like we're losing. They come out second half and just they cruise to 5-3, mate. It was, it was embarrassing at times. Another one was actually that gets shown on the highlights reel quite frequently with the Premier League, which you've probably all seen or probably don't realise, or maybe you, I'm sure you do, Bridgie. It was me and goal. When Kanu does that flick, uh, that was at the Riverside. We lost 6-1 and it was 6-0 and most of the Riverside had, uh, had emptied out. Obviously, all the Arsenal fans were still there singing and chanting. And then when we scored to make it 6-1, the Arsenal fans actually cheered us and said something along the lines of we'll cheer for you because you know because you've got no fans or something like that. all your fans have left <laughs> you know it was something along those lines and and uh yeah so the arsenal was the team and that was the team you know Henri Burkamp uh, Overmars Perez Petit it was like um but the way they would play through you was insane and Swartz, uh, you've just opened a can of worms here because now suddenly all the <laughs> all the things I buried, uh, you know, I remember now that we lost five nil at Ihybury and uh, you know the highlight reels. I think that's a, as a goalkeeper, that's probably the worst. Is you know when you're on the highlight reel for conceding, you know, yeah, it might oh. be an amazing goal, but but you just keep getting reminded whenever that clip is on. There's 
like, oh, <laughs> I, keep, I keep hoping they'll save it. I, I keep hoping somewhere on the line they'll watch it again and go, yeah, oh, shit. No, I was it. Lords, what, I, what I'm doing now, I'm just typing in on Google. I'm just finding some psychologists, some psychiatrists, and a, a couple of more motivational speakers for these two because, um, wow, that was, the two of them are just having a bloody moment here. Yeah. I think it the hits the back line worse, right? Oh, I think it hits the man. back. If you're down 4-0 at halftime, I think it does hit the keepers in the back line worse. Bridgie, did you ever cop an absolute bollock in at halftime from your coach? Oh, yeah, Peter Reid um, yeah. at Sunderland. And actually, funny enough, it was against Arsenal. There you go. <laughs> but we were at we were at home. Um, and it, it's on a documentary on YouTube. If you type in Premier Passions, England had, uh, Sunderland had an eight-episode documentary, very old school, behind the scenes. And there's a movie now called Mike Bassett, the England Manager. And he does a halftime team talk, and it just goes beep, 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 beep. beep. And he kicks the cups of tea. That footage was actually taken of Peter Reed's halftime team talk from this documentary. And what happens? The camera's on Peter Reed and he's just going, Use two are weak as piss. You can't hold the ball up. I see Dennis Bergkamp and Paul Merson up front for Arsenal holding the ball up and used to. And what happens? The camera comes in, zooms around the corner of the worst dressing room in the world. And you just see these two little kids in the corner, me and Craig Russell. I'm biting my fingernails. I'm looking at the floor and I'm really crapping myself. And I was only 17 um, at the time and I got annihilated. That was 1996, I believe. Wow. So yeah, it's on, it's, it's on there. Really was, really was, um, yeah, very, very fierce. But mm. a great manager and man, like a, a great motivator to get you out there because at the end of that, at the end of that flogging, I got abused for about five to six minutes in the halftime team talk. The, the tactic board is in the background with the assistant manager trying to use it. And he, he never gets to use it, Bobby Saxon, because really he's just going to you. But he says at the, end of his, at the end of his lecture, he actually says one thing. He says, do you know what it is, young man? He says, there's international footballers out there and you're as good as them. So get out there and prove it. And it was an incredible moment because after being so like down, uh, you know, feeling very fragile, and upset at a young tender age of hearing a manager hurl abuse like that, he got my attention back instantly with that with that moment where he said, "You're as good as them, and get out there and prove it." And you see me kind of, I have a little bit of admiration for him. And we went out and won the game one nil. Funny enough, it was nil nil at half time. So, yeah, wow. it's a, it was a very interesting uh, moment in 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 my life. There you go. Man management is something you just yeah, something that often gets overlooked, but I guess that that is the difference here. And you look at Jurgen Klopp, the way he reacts with his players on the park. Guys, I'm going to fly through the rest of the Prem on the weekend, and I know we, we love to get carried away whenever we do this. So I've put a one-word limit on these games. I'm going to go around to you one word if we can. If it's an interesting one, we'll dive into it. Bridget's got the dictionary open because I know he probably didn't finish his school there. So, Tommy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, one word to describe to describe Pep Guardiola's win at Brighton. Clinical, you know, clinical. yeah, clinical. Clinical. Uh, do you want me to dive deeper? No, no, again, no. You know, you, you're looking at the counter attacking. You know, it's, it's- <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's failed. He's failed. <laughs> one word. <laughs> hey, but uh, you know, you get so excited, you want to talk about it. So, he said yeah, what? No, clinical. Very clinical. That's no, it, it was Schwartzy. <laughs> one word to describe Brighton at home against City. Expected. Mm. Yeah, it's, the, finally the pennies dropped. I guess we got very excited about this Brighton side. Bridgie? Sorry, what was it? That This Brighton City <laughs> game. One word. <laughs> oh. Forden-esque. Yeah. Sweet chili Philly. He was fantastic, wasn't he? Really two words? No, it's if you put it all together, quick Forden-esque. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there was a there was a hyphen there. I'll give it to you, Bridget. There was a hyphen there. Um, next one. I'll start with you for this one, Schwartz. Everton's capitulation at home. Abysmal. It was, wasn't it? I mean, that that one's got to hurt. Josh King coming back, scores a hat trick. Tommy, how would you describe that? Uh, worrying. Very worrying. Rafa Benitez in trouble early on, maybe. I mean, it's just Everton, isn't it? It's just very Everton-esque. Bridgie, I've stolen that one off you. What's one word to describe that game? Oh, uh, can I use two? No, yeah, go on, go on. Go on, go on. I'll give you two. Ranieri revolution. Revelation. Bit of alliteration there. It's an English technique, that one. Schwarzy- after, <laughs> after two games, losing five and then scoring five, and now it's a revolution. <laughs> I think it's a little bit early. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see Schwartz's face because I know yeah. how much he loves Ranieri. <laughs> I've got nothing against him personally. I, know I just you don't haven't. think he's a good manager. No, you haven't. I know. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yuri Chelements. Bridgie. World class. Is that? Yes. Oh. I'll, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. World class. I mean, he's he's flying at the moment. Tommy, Yuri Chelements. He's a star-esque. Mm. More esques <laughs> coming out. I love it. Schwartzy, I know you're a big fan of his. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> Very well played. This it's, last one. Do you know what he is? He's, he's actually inspirational to a lot. He, he, and I think the other one I would say is underrated. Yeah, he still That's is underrated. Probably a better one. Uh, so yeah, yeah, he's it's, it's getting there, though. Yeah, yeah I think there. he's. I, I think he's. Yeah, he's slowly coming out of that now. Gonna have some highlights reel, by the way. Yeah. yeah, loves a shot from this. It's going to tee up some game this week. Again, Arsenal and, taking and, on. And he won't be there. And he won't be there as well much longer because yeah. apparently they're denying that he's turned down the contract offer, but he's stalling and he's not going to be there. Yeah, he knows. He knows his worth. Yeah. Um, last yeah. one. We can go a little bit more in depth to this one. I'll give you a sentence if you like. And uh, I'll start with you for this one, Bridgie. That's West Ham's London derby win against Spurs. Expected? Um, what, expected? Uh... No, you can go one word sentence. Yeah, I'll mate. give you a bit sorry, more of this one. Sorry, not a one word. Huh? You can go sentence, he said. You're not <laughs> hearing him. Not understand I, the difference between the two. I, yes, I do, but it's very hard to say it because it's my. It was expected, and I saw it coming because Tottenham are beep. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, what did you take from that game? It was great to see Mikel Antonio uh-huh. score again, but was that just Tottenham not good enough? Yeah, I think you saw it, and and again, you know, David Moyes uh, set the piece masterclass again. I think that's uh, you know has been one of the strengths of of. Uh, of West Ham over the, the last couple of seasons and uh, in a tight game. You know, it's a worst tight. I mean, uh, Chelsea, oh, sorry, um, Tottenham had their chances. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, just a lack of concentration. Kane, I don't know, he just switches off and Antonio doesn't. And um, that's the difference. It was percentage football in possession. Sorry, mm-hmm. possession football for Tottenham against the... Um, Possession. So, oh God, my God, I'm getting myself confused here. Oh, wow, wow, wow. We've gone from one wow. sentence to a paragraph to back to someone trying to come up with another paragraph. Come possession on, based on with football it. from Tottenham against percentage football from West Ham. West Ham get the ball in the final third as many times they can, and Tottenham were happy just to have the slow build up. That's me done. I'm switching off. I've had a honker. <laughs> Shorty, do you want to say anything about this game where it's been said? I'll give you my one sentence, all right? David Moyes is becoming a West Ham legend. 
fair play. I mean, it's great to see that club finally rocking, rocking that London stadium, which is controversial stadium as well. But it's it's great to see that. You see place. how flustered that result got me. By the yeah. way, I'm all over the shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you a moment I, to I cool think, off. I don't get that whole thing about. I mean, listen, I, I, we all been in the bowling ground, right? We we knew it was like it's intimidating, close, old school, everything else. But they needed to move on, right? Mm. The London Stadium is a great stadium. I know it's a little bit further away, but it's a top, top class stadium that they paid nothing for. And Mm. they're on a pittance of a rent. It's unbelievable (laughs) ground. Swartz, you know what they've got right over this year and last season? Uh, When they first opened the stadium up, the, the, I think it was the diehards wanted to be in one area together yep. and they all got seg- separated. So they didn't feel like the club had listened to yep. the fans and what they wanted. Um, and I think the, co- the connection has always been, uh, there's always been like a, a void between the owners of the club and the fans. Yes. And I think that's one thing that they've really worked hard on to make sure that that ground is as packed as it can be, but with the people in the right areas where they want to be. And it's, 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 a, great, it's a great atmosphere. You go to a West Ham game, it is a really good atmosphere, even at the times where they didn't play well and the crowd obviously booed and that. I mean, the atmosphere is insane. It's not nice when you're out there being booed, but the actual atmosphere is still very, very good. Schwartz, West Ham moving to fourth with that result. <clears throat> Could yep. they be dreaming of European football? Yeah, of course, 100% European football, I think. Yeah. Um, it just depends which which level. Which level? Not oh, the Conference League. Oh. Could they be dreaming of a Champions League potentially with seeing what's going on at Manchester United? Could they be thinking, I mean, a lot of people now have come out and said at the start of the year, it was there's four teams which are guaranteed to make the top four. That well, has but, changed in the last few yeah, weeks, but the, right? No, there's never never four teams guaranteed. I, I was never 100% convinced about Manchester United anyway, right? So I've always had my doubts about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, always. Mm. And then, of course, the, the whole Paul Pogba show on and off the pitch was always going to be an ongoing saga. And I just never think that's healthy. I don't think with any team, any top, top class team, when you have so many disruptions away from what's the most important thing is playing football games and winning games and playing good football, it, for me, it generally only ends up going one way. And, that, and that, that, that generally ends up being a bit of a disaster. So for me, Man United were never guaranteed. They should be in terms of the quality of squad that they have, but they were, they were, for me, they were never going to be guaranteed. The, 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 the rest was up to whatever the teams are around. Leicester haven't been performing anywhere near what they did last season. However, let's not kid ourselves. The top three sorted. doesn't matter what order they're going to finish. The top three sorted, yeah? Agree? So Unless there's an absolute disaster, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I see I for that fourth spot, West Ham, yes. Brighton, no. Tottenham, potentially. Man United, potentially. Everton, who knows. Leicester, yes. Arsenal, yes. And then below that, nothing apart from Newcastle United <laughs> after January because they won't lose a game. Um, yeah, but I, but I, don't think Arsenal, I don't think Arsenal anywhere near good enough. I'm sorry, but I know they're on a bit of a run. They've got two, you know, when, when Lacazette's playing and firing and Aubameyang, they're brilliant, right? There's no doubt about it. But I don't think, I don't think Arsenal are good enough to be in that that in contention for that top four mm-hmm. position for me, <clears throat> give me West Ham over Arsenal any day. I would say there's yeah. more likely that West Ham will finish fourth than Arsenal every day of the week because of the, the team ethic, the work rate, the commitment. There are players there that are probably inferior in terms of quality, however, have infinite more desire and professionalism than a lot of players at Arsenal. Just take that last 30 seconds, please. Save it for the end of the season because Arsenal are only three points behind West Ham and I can't wait to get that out at the end of this season. No, no, no. I, I know what you're saying, right? But what I'm saying is I think West Ham have more of a chance of finishing in Champions League spot than Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal will finish anywhere near that. 
It's incredible to think that Arsenal now equal points with Manchester United after their start to the season. And they play Leicester away this weekend. So I think that's a great test. That's on at a cracking time for for our audiences uh, here on Optus Sport. But I also want to talk about another thing that we have our eyes on, guys. I'm going to pivot for a second. And the Matildas are in action again tonight, but they played Brazil just a few days ago. Tommy, Matildas, we spoke a little bit about them last week on the show that they needed to win this one desperately. They needed to get some wins back on the board because there's been controversies around them. There's been results mixed. What did you make of them in that win? And it was great to see some young talent on the score sheet as well. Yeah, no, I thought, uh, first of all, it was a great occasion. It was great to see, uh, you know, uh, a lot of fans there. You, you know, just the panning across, you, you, you see a lot of kids there. Um, and and I think it, it's great for the women's game that the young girls even young boys now can you know can can start to aspire especially young girls to you know for, to 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 have a career in, in football and, and you've got stars there as you said a lot of turmoil off the pitch what's going on is there going to be a probe into to all the allegations but i think they answered the questions on the pitch i thought it was a, it was a good performance against a, a good uh brazilian side that are ahead of them in the world rankings um i thought it was you know, some good goals, some 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 good play uh, against Sam Kerr, uh, Polkenhorn obviously getting the first goal, um, uh, and and you got yeah a, a host of other young players playing in 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 the best league in, in the world, and at least around Europe, in France and, and England uh, predominantly, and I think they showed that. I think they they showed they're on the right track. I think Gustafsson, after a tough start, has has leveled the ship, and and um, you know. They needed to show uh, show up, and they did. It was an electric atmosphere, which gave us an idea of what it's going to be like when we have a World Cup on home soil as well. That could be a massive X factor for our girls. Schwartzy, what did you make of that result? And and another thing, just on, on Tommy's point, you know, these players are now playing in the biggest teams in the world, in the best leagues in the world, and I think that's shining through. There was a moment that goal, that ball crossed in, Sam Kerr, up in the air, could have gone for goal, headed it down. That was my favourite moment of the game. Is, does it feel like these players have matured since they've moved over to the European game? Uh, certainly Sam Kerr. I, I think she's certainly become a better player, certainly uh, matured. She's been tested. I thought in, in, in America she was no longer really being tested uh, or certainly was more, I'm not saying she was one-dimensional, but certainly that the speed and the physicality of the game in the US was, was something that was of, of massive importance. Whereas now in, in Europe, I think for, for Sam, there's a technical aspect of the game that she's needed to improve on. And I think she's, she's done that incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're not, the, the issue I found certainly in, in 2019 World Cup, at times we were too predictable, too one-dimensional. We always looked for Sam Kerr, the long ball over the top. And 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 as we know, you know, you get to a, an international level, there are far better players that you're playing against. And, and it's, it's a lot of work goes into training, tactics, getting on uh, up to speed with your opposition and, and nullifying their, their major threat. And of course, Sam Kerr is a major threat. What I like about it is her unselfishness her development as a player, um, becoming a better player all around. But I also like the fact that they've got someone in, in, in next door in Mary Fowler. Yeah. I think she's got a lot of rawness to her. She, I mean, I know she's played, um, she played uh, men's or boys football for a long time. Um, and there are elements of a game. You can see that. And she's a huge, huge talent. And she's been absolutely brilliant since she's played for the Matildas and, I thought it was a great goal she scored. 
Um, yeah. You know, she went for it. She never took her eye off the ball. She kind of took her eye off the ball at the end, but, you know, she made that run and she's a great, great header at the near post. Um, she's a huge star for, for the Matildas moving forward. Also a big fan of, of, of Steph Catley, Caitlin Ford, Ellie Carpenter. We mentioned it earlier on last week. Kelly Carpenter uh, has evolved massively, matured massively as a player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's exciting times. It's just Stri- finding that balance. Uh, exactly. But, Striking but, a nice course, balance. Yeah, but I think the, you touched on it. I think the main thing is tactically because in that 2019 World Cup, you know, they, they were just naive. You know, they, they had they played with this high back line. They got exposed all the time. I think... I think with time, if Gustafsson now, you can sort of see that they're, they're, they're becoming more astute. They've become, you know, just smarter as a team uh, tactically. You know, they're not as exposed. And then they know they have the quality of, of the players we just talked about. Fowler, obviously, uh, being, the, being the young gun in midfield, you know. So, and, and obviously with Sam Kerr up front, they can always, you know, can always get that goal. So I think that they're just becoming more tactically smarter, I think. And you need that to win a World Cup. Yeah, the pressure's now on the manager to pick a team. He's got these young players coming through. Kara Cooney Cross is another one. And how do you balance that with the experienced ones? But it's exciting times for the Matildas, guys. I'm going to move it on. And this I want to have a bit of fun with you guys today because it's Halloween this weekend, right? It's Halloween coming up. And I thought you guys played in the era of the Prem that I remember watching. And there were some scary people out there on the park, some people that you just did not want to mess with. Now, I've got two goalkeepers here. So I'm going to try and make a five-a-side Halloween team of guys that you've played with or played against Bridgie I want you to pick the scariest goalkeeper because it's unfair asking these two I want you to pick the scariest goalkeeper in this side so I, I thought this was great when I when I read the rundown sheet I thought this is going to be fantastic <laughs> a little bit of a heads up that you gave us I need a bit of clarity here okay are we on about the scariest looking like the ugliest team or are we on about the scariest? Because I've done both because I didn't know whether you meant like Halloween looked like they had a mask on when they played in it. And then, you know, so. If I hope it's neither goal, of these two. I hope it's neither. Well, no, no, no. Tommy's a great looking lad. No, give us both. I, I think you should give us both. And I, and I think Claude can then choose which one he puts in the team. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the, the goalkeeper for me that I would not like to see on Halloween, if he knocked at my door, you would just go, oh, trick or treat. Like That's got to be Steve Ogrizovic of Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> he was one ugly man. All right, let's not kid ourselves. Lovely talking, guy. Yeah, and if you, but if you're talking about scariest goalkeepers I've ever played against, um, oh, let's have a think. Scary. I, I've put in there, there was, yeah, I, I've got me, I've got Peter Schmeichel. I've, I've put him in there because of his presence, the size of him, and the way he would scream at his own defenders when they did something wrong. For me, I, even I used to get a kind of turn around and go, shit, is he talking to me? No, he's, he's actually having to go at Steve Bruce. So, um, yeah, he, they were my two. Okay. I think from that, I mean, over to you guys. I'm, I'm looking here at Grizovich's hairline, my word. It's Jolly and Lescott-esque. Um, <laughs> but... I, I- <laughs> I think Oliver Kahn, I think for me, he, yes. he, he was an absolute nutcase. Uh, and, and he he, 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 <laughs> he probably doesn't have the looks as well. So, uh, <laughs> That's so true. yeah, yeah. If he stood outside your door uh, with that German, uh, German grin, I think you would, uh, you would close the door fairly quickly. That is true. He's a scary individual. I'm happy to put him in goals. Schwartz, just in front. We need a defender here in this team. Who's the scariest defender you played with or against? Scariest defender I've played with or with uh, or against. I mean, I suppose I'm going to say I'm going to say Kevin Musket because he left a trail. 
He was an animal. <laughs> yeah, he left a trail, let's be honest. Um, I've got a scot on my Achilles from him. I've, I've had a few beers with him, and we've had a couple of chuckles over it recently as well, not so long ago, um, about his adventures. Um, yeah. So yeah, does he so... get your ugly team or your tough one? <laughs> He's in both. <laughs> Sorry, Muskie. Optus Sports' very own Kevin Musket. I can't argue with that. I remember reading that Spanish paper. Have you guys ever seen that one? That Spanish paper over there did uh, the top 10 dirtiest players in world football. This was about 10 years uh, ago. And he was in and, there, wasn't he? And he was in there. And yeah. so many comments yeah. from Spanish people did not know who he was. They linked a video of one of his tackles. And yeah, yeah it's good fun. Okay, I'm happy with that one. Oliver Kahn in goals, Kevin Musket. Let's move to the midfield now, Thomas. Any midfielders you played with or against that were just scary? Uh, I played with uh, Thomas Gravison, an absolute <laughs> lunatic <laughs> on and off the field. Uh, yeah. good, very good footballer, but my God, uh, <laughs> uh, he was... Uh, constant energy, couldn't could sit sit down. You know, whenever we were in hotels, flying around, you know, having comments about everyone, uh, intimidating. Uh, we we played a game against Iceland at one point, uh, and um, I didn't see it at the time, but I saw the picture. He had a an Icelandic player by the throat, actually wanted to kill him. And as it was at the same time, Mike Tyson was boxing in Denmark. At uh, a couple of days later, he was watching a game, and the day after. We had a request. He wanted his shirt because he thought he was fantastic. He thought he was maybe as crazy as he was. So, uh, so he wanted his shirt. Uh, so, yeah, no, for, for me, he, he's, he's up there. And uh, he, he, with his ears and his bald head, I think. Uh, he, he looks like, like a crazy the guy off the well. Goonies, doesn't he? Hey, he, does. Guys. he does, actually. <laughs> hey, and he played for Real Madrid. What, was he at that level, Thomas? Uh, you know, he's one of them that... He, he he's underrated. Uh, he he was a good player. Was he Real Madrid standards? Mm, I, he was never going to fill in for Makaleli, was he? No, no. He, you you question. I think he got exposed a, a little bit. Um, also in the culture there, he, he he told me some stories about you know, you know, he didn't quite fit in with the Brazilians, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but he was a very good player. I have yeah, because to, I have they to were say. going at the nightclubs of Brazilians without him, and they used to yeah. be able to, to get get a hold of a few things with Gravison. They used to scare them off. <laughs> well, he's apparently a multi millionaire from playing poker in Vegas now. Is that true? Yeah, uh, I think no, it, it wasn't. Yeah, but he invested in uh, some blue chips companies and stuff. Uh, okay. But he's back in Denmark now. Uh, he's doing Danish TV, uh, Danish uh, commentary. So, uh, um, yeah. That's a good one. I'm happy with that signing. So we've got Oliver Kahn, we've got Kevin Musket, Thomas Gravison, Bridgie. Oh, hang, on, hang on, the midfield, the midfield. I've, I'm another, no, another midfielder. You've got oh, another. Good, good, good. Yep. Yep. I've gone from my um, my ugly team, my Halloween trick-or-treat team. There's got to be a guy called Luke Chadwick played for Manchester United. <laughs> oh, that's hard. The poor guy. Poor, man. that's poor. He, he, it's yeah, not poor. That's poor because he had a medical condition as well. You know that. It, what, what was it? Yeah, he had a problem ugly with his skin, didn't he? He had oh, some sort yeah. of skin problem as well, didn't he? Oh, that's oh. harsh. Yeah, well, I was not he, he actually complexion. had to get psychological uh, uh, help as well. You know that. Well, anybody that hasn't like Googled him or wants to, if you, t- he looked like one of the, remember the movie Critters? Yeah, that's harsh. Oh, I'm, had, I'm staying away from that one. That's, that's outrageous. He had, more, he had more teeth. below the belt. <laughs> he had a lot of teeth in his mouth. He's been... <laughs> okay. Who's your other player, Bridget? <laughs> no, honestly, on, on a serious one, for scariest, um, I actually played with one. I think Tommy did as well. Um, and we played against, and it was like the clash of the Titans when these two came up against each other. We had a guy called Kevin Ball. He was our captain. Oh. 
Yeah. Um, Kevin Ball, dirty, dirty probably the worst footballer technically I have yeah. ever come across, right? But he was the first name name on the team sheet because he wore the armband. He would lead us out there and he would kill the opposition with his yeah. um, tactics, his tackles. Uh, he was inspirational when I look back. And I'll never forget, we played West um, Wimbledon and Vinnie Jones was the scary player for them. That's the other one. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. So Vinny's for the name and everybody, but I'll never forget, Kevin Ball went and he smashed the dressing room door and he said, right, boys, he says, you leave Vinny Jones to me. I'm going one-on-one with him and you can play a 10 against 10. And it was just incredible. That that he, he got us really motivated for this game. And just to see the two of them go at it on the football field without a football, I might add, it was brilliant. So they were my two. So if we've got a pick... If we've got to pick from Kevin Ball, Vinnie Jones, or Roy Keane to fill that last position, guys, who is it? The scariest. I'd have to. I'd have to go with Vinny. Vinny? Yeah, I think Vinny. Yeah, maybe. Well. Yeah, maybe, yeah, against yeah him. maybe. Did you guys all play against, against him? Wimbledon? Yeah, yeah. I played against him. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. He, he yeah. And I think in. Paul Gascoigne will vouch for that because his testicles have never been the same <laughs> since. <laughs> <laughs> you know, didn't he? Didn't he just pop into the Mars Singer here in Australia recently? Did you know that? No. No. You know the Masked Singer, so they sing. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, I, Vinny Jones that. was was in what? Australia yeah. on the Masked Singer. Yeah, no way. Are you uh, serious? Yeah. Yes. So wow. not. Yeah, not quite as scary now, but I mean, I, I can imagine as well. A any man that can take part in a movie like Lockstock and be, you know, it'd be brilliant. Man. <laughs> yeah, Last one good. up front. Who's who's up front in this team? Goalkeepers. You guys would have faced some scary strikers in in your time. Bridgie, you'd know a few of them too. I'll go to you, Schwartzy. Who would you put there? I'm going to say big Duncan Ferguson. He was thing is, he's, he's, he's a really nice guy. Um, if you talk to him about his pigeons, um, talk to him about, you know, anything else, don't try and rile him up. Don't kick him. Don't try and get him angry. You get him angry. He is brutal, mate. He will run through people to get to you. And it happened wow. to me a couple of times where I used to, you know, he ran into me or something like that, come out for a cross and he, like absolutely hammer me. I'd get up and I'd be effing and blind. And he'd look at me with those eyes like, and he'd be pointing his finger and he'd be saying something. And I'd be like, oh my God, I've just woken the beast. Mate. It's in trouble. And he was brutal, mate. He was brutal. He'd come after you. He literally would chase after you. Swarty, I've got him. I've got him down on my sheet of paper here for not the ugliest, because I'm not going to say that, because if he sees me, he'll kill me. He's in there for the scariest because of the same things Swarty's on about, Duncan Ferguson. He would wear Vaseline or, you know, like the thing on his elbows and on his eyes so the, he, could, he could catch people. Yeah. yeah. I, I witnessed him. We had a Brazilian World Cup winner called. Um, Who did? Uh, Who did? Leeds United. Um, oh. Oh my word! I've totally had a memory blank. Brazilian World Cup when a Rocco Junior came in. Oh, he did. Peter Reid had him. Rocco Junior played against Everton, and Duncan Ferguson just battered this guy, annihilated him. So at half time, I have never witnessed it, and I cross my heart when I say this. Rocco Junior came into the dressing room. Peter Reid was the manager, so he we'd had a lot of turmoil under O'Leary. Venables had come. We had Peter Reid, madman. Rocco Jr. will cut when I sat in that dressing room. His shirt was ripped all down here. His eye was cut up here. And he said, I know play second half, boss. That guy is crazy. <laughs> and Peter Reed said, are, are you serious, mate? He said, if you do not go out for the second half, you'll not play for this club ever again. He said, I scared. I scared, boss. That's how scary Duncan was. And he got this guy. And any man that can get broken into, 
by oh. in Liverpool by Scousers. Great story. Great and story. he <laughs> wakes up and catches them with his champagne bottles and he smashed them over and he got rid of the, the people that brought into his house. Mate, wow. That is a guy that goes in as my scariest player. I, I, I heard he broke a couple of arms, broke a couple of bones. Oh, and he actually be he detained them until the police arrived. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> detained them. Yeah, so he, yeah, he's, yeah. he's definitely... He was actually him. waiting. He, he was just sitting there. Grouse and I actually told that story. He, he was actually just sitting there exciting, waiting for them to come in. <laughs> yeah, because he, wasn't it wasn't the story. I was told the story. He was living in the house next door and he was having another house next door built. And there was, it was in the stages being built. And I think they'd been robbed once before or something. And then he had these video uh, footy, like video cameras set up and then it tripped an alarm, a silent alarm. So he saw or he heard something and then he looked on the cameras and saw these people. And that's when uh, the beast has come to life. And that's where he's snuck around and got wow. in a position where he's above them. I think from my understanding is he actually was at the top of the stairs and threw himself on top of one of those guys. WF style. Ferguson, mate. Absolutely <laughs> enormous go guy, mate. Don't mess with him. And for the uh, scary, ugly Halloween select, it's either Ian Dowie or Peter Beardsley for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 Ian Dowie, I think he's up there for me. He, he knocked my uh, my nose in an international game with against Northern <laughs> Ireland. You know, I think round, round the back of my head, I think my nose was... Uh, <laughs> So, I think yeah. um, I think there's there's no arguments here. The team's got to be Oliver Kahn in goals, Kevin Musket. We had Thomas Gravison and Vinnie Jones in midfield, and then it's it's got to be Duncan Ferguson up top. What a scary lineup that would be to play yeah. against in street football, guys. We're 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 flying ahead of time, but that's that's we always do that anyway. We 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 love chatting a bit of football here and a bit of the rest. So I'm going to now go with the top five storylines, in my opinion, from around Europe. Real quick word of what we can expect from this one. Thomas, I'm going to start with you. Tottenham taking on Man United this weekend. These are two managers that desperately, desperately need a win. But who do you think is going to get the job done? I, th- I think uh, Tottenham. Sadly, Bridgie. Um I think uh, with with Son, uh, the counter-attacking ability, they're going to sit back. Um, they're going to soak up the pressure uh, and, uh, yeah, get the win. I think uh, if it's going to be Solskjaer, who knows? But uh, that could be the last game if, he, if he's not gone before then. Wow. And Tottenham have a midweek game against Burnley. Uh, Man United have the whole week off, but do you agree with that one, Bridgie? I don't want to talk about it. It could be anything. <laughs> it, it's it, it, it's literally when they're playing Burnley, I'm not going to watch that. Um, mm. But against Man United, it, it could be anything. It's yeah. basically both teams are going through massive, massive transitions. Both teams, managers now getting questioned. And like I said, I've, ate, I've, I've eaten my humble pie with Swartzy about um, Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, so who knows, mate? I don't I don't know where, where this game is going to go. It could be nil-nil and it could be 4-4. Or it could be a five nil each either way. I don't think the turmoil is as great at Spurs as it is at United. No, and no, I not also, at all. But it's it's and just I, and, not and I don't think and I don't think the Spurs players are generally not playing or have lost the manager. You know, or they've 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 yeah, the manager's lost them. I think it's more the other way around. So I, I'm going to stick what I said earlier on. Mm. I think Man United, the players, certainly a, a number of the players, I think, have lost faith in the manager or maybe never had it. Who knows? Mm. But certainly don't seem to be playing for him anymore. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think Spurs will uh, will win this one. Quick one with you, Schwartz. You're going over to Spain. I know you spent some time there recently. It's a great Basque derby. Raul Sociedad up against Bilbao. Um, that's going to be a great game. It's a Copa del Rey rematch from two seasons ago. But Matty Ryan on the bench yet again. Is that the right place for him to develop as a goalkeeper? Quick one. <laughs> No, it's never never the right place to be 
when you're not playing regular football. But I think he's just got to bite his time. You know, they paid a bit of money for him. Real Sociedad are not known to spend a lot of money on players. They obviously see him um, as a, as a player that that they're, that they're going to use. He's played he's played what one game this season. They played him in one of the games. Mm-hmm. I think he's just got to bite his time. Listen, they're, they're flying. So it's tough for the manager to make those those changes. Yeah. Matty got injured as well. So he's a little bit behind the eight ball. I think it's too early to judge whether it's the right place or not. Um, I know he was delighted to be there. I know he was yeah. delighted to to get another chance, um, you know, kind of going back to Spain again and almost trying to, to, to prove if there's any doubters out there about his t- first time in Spain. Now he has an opportunity at Real Sociedad and he's just got to be patient. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Tommy Sorensen, I take you to France for PSG, the tabletoppers up against the defending champions. Lil Messi hasn't scored in Liga yet. Has he been a bit of a flop since arriving? <laughs> I think the expectations were, were so high. Um, and again, you, you got to adapt. Uh, he was so ingrained, obviously, with, with Barcelona and everything else. Uh, you know, I still think we've seen glimpses, obviously, in the Champions League, uh, some, some great goals. Uh, it'll take him a bit of time, but He'll come good. Uh, he'll get his first goal. And, and again, Lille, you know, they had a great season last year, dropped off the, the pace a little bit. Um, so, yeah, and I, I think PSG is uh, going to win this one. We talk about great managers. Christophe Gaultier, who had Lille last year, is now at Nice, and they're doing a fantastic job chasing PSG in that one. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he's on the radar of a couple of these Premier League clubs. Bridgie, quick word on the Italian Serie A. I know you love it. You've been hanging out with me too much. Roma taking on Milan. Jose Mourinho will probably have to watch this one from the stands. He got sent off on the weekend up against one of his favorite players ever, Ibrahimovic. How do you see that one going down? Uh, what a game. Installed, you know, Roma have got to bounce back after, you know, there was a, a massive flogging for Jose. I think the worst in his career. Is that correct, uh, defeat? It is. Yeah. So, that, that, you know, that's scary. They've got to bounce back from that. The red card hasn't helped. Um, with him not being on the touchline for this game, I think that could be a bit of a hindrance for Roma. Um, you know, I, I think he he likes being able to drive it from the sideline. And if anybody's going to spoil the party, and the team that are flying <laughs> at this moment in time with Milan is Latan. Yet again, scoring. Um, didn't have as much of an impact, but, you know, the Lions heal differently to humans, as he keeps telling us. <laughs> and I'm sure he will have his say in, in this match and he'll have Jose in the stands pulling his hair out. It's going to be a brilliant game. Last one I want to go to you for, Schwartz, is Union Berlin at home to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich are top of the league, but this Union Berlin side, since they've been promoted, they've been really, really good. And Bayern didn't beat them last season. They didn't. Um, it is a very different Union Berlin team as well from last season. They've got 13 new players, so it's a change changeover. Um, Urs Fischer has done a tremendous job in charge, the Austrian, um, since he's taken over. They're a tiny, tiny club. They are the biggest club in Berlin by a long way right now um amazing last season finishing seventh i i watched the game i worked on the game on the weekend they played against um away at Fulfish, stuttgart they did everything right until the last 15 minutes mm. one nil up one player uh, advantage and they sat back dropped off and dropped off and invited pressure and they conceded a deflected goal uh awani up front they hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Signed from, from Liverpool, uh, Nigerian international, made his debut last international window. Absolutely incredible form. He scored 10 in all, all comps for, for, for Union Berlin so far this season, seven in the Bundesliga. Absolute uh, animal up front, I have to say. Brilliant, really good for him. Um, Bayern, though, again, I was I, I worked on the game on the Saturday for Bayern Munich against Hoffenheim. It was a one-sided event side. But again, I talk, I go back to what Chelsea did really well, what Man City do well and Liverpool do well generally and have, and that's why they've had success, is because they do the, the job against the lesser teams. What Bayern do is, I think, remarkable every year. Back it up. Every year. Yeah. They're the one and they take every game so incredibly seriously and they get off on the right foot. You just find it really difficult to see how anyone can take points off by it. Certainly they'll take points, but whether or not they prevent them from winning the title. Mm. But it's going to be a, a, a difficult challenge for, for Bayern. Small, tiny stadium, massive support. They're on top of you. And last weekend was the first time we got full, well, the ability to have full houses in the mm. stadiums. Um, Union Berlin will be packed to the rafters when Bayern go there. Yeah, it's an and awesome sport. That was sport. Swartz's scouting report on Union Berlin. That was very impressive, mate. Thank you. He's, he's got, he's, he's work, got the lockdown on the, the Bundesliga. Do you work for the club? <laughs> no, I just do some stuff on the Bundesliga, mate. Bundesliga. And I did some stuff for uh, Mola TV, Indonesian. Schwartz just hits the, he hits the I'll, Berlin nightclubs, don't you, Schwartz? I'll tell you what, when I get my first managerial job, I'm going to get you to do a scout report on the opposition every week and have a, have a BL sub <laughs> full report from Mark Schwartz. Very impressive. <laughs> oh, thanks, gentlemen. On that note, guys, uh, we have gone a bit over time, but that's what happens with football rights itself. It's been a crazy week. I'm sure it will be another one coming up. And as always, you can head to the Optus Sport app for the highlights, matches, news, absolutely everything you ever want. If you haven't heard enough from these three legends, you can get a whole lot more on that app as well. I'm going to have to love you and leave you, Michael Bridges. I'll see you soon in the studio. Tommy, have a great day. It looks like a nice sunny day down there. And Schwartzy, I think it's past your bedtime. Thanks for joining it me, gentlemen. Is. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank Thanks, you very guys. much, guys. See you all next week for some more Gag and Pop.